Well, we just want to welcome all of you, whether you've been coming to, to Maranatha for many, many, many years or whether you happen to be here the first Sunday. We hope this service is an encouragement to you in your um, spiritual journey and relationship with the Lord. We do have a few announcements for us. Um, we invite you to come um, this evening for our time of corporate prayer at 6 p.m., We'll be praying that God's kingdom would come, that his will would be done, not ours, um, within our, our lives, within our church, within our community here and across the, the country and world. So please come and join. We also want you to be aware of the um, services we have during this special week. There'll be a Good Friday service at 6 p.m., and then... Um, Easter services at normal times, so uh, Saturday at 6 o'clock, and then Sunday at 8.45 and 10.30. And parents, please be aware that there won't be Sunday school uh, next week, um, and we do ask that parents accompany children in the nursery if you're using that. And also, next Saturday, there, there will be a men's hangout um, at 7 p.m. right after second service, so just an opportunity for all of us men to gather together in fellowship and be of encouragement um, to each other. And lastly, we want you to, to be aware that there's a, a membership class um, opportunity coming up. Um, this is if you're interested in learning more about the church, if you'd like to um, explore um, what it means to be a member here, um, you can attend the class um, by Coming to class, it's not obligating you to become a member, but that is a, a necessary step in that process. So save the dates. That will be May 2nd um, after church. And I also encourage you to, to pick up one of these on your way out. These are on the table right as you exit um, the sanctuary here. Lots of other upcoming events are listed in here. So with that, I'd like to invite Pastor Cody back up as we turn our attention to the Lord's Word. Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to celebrate the Lord on this great day. And again, I encourage you kids, as we go through our service today, if you have a palm branch, whenever you hear the words Palm Sunday, shake them up nice and high and get ready for that. We'll be doing that. This week I was thinking about just how the different ages of kids that we have, and even for myself, I was thinking through the different, just different stages that they went through, and, and I was really reminded of this yesterday. I, I took my wife down to Eau Claire. She was going to fly out to go visit her sister. They got spring break right now at schools. She's going to go visit her for a couple days, and I was at a store, and I was looking at some stuff, and behind that kind of thing was a family, and a little boy was going, what? What's that for? Well, why would you get that? What, what's that for? And I was like, oh, he's about five years old. Yeah, he's about five. What? Well, what would you need that for? Then, then what, would, what would that do then? And just what, 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 what? And I was like, well, because if he was four, what would he say? Why? 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 Right? Three and a half to four years old. Why? How many parents, grandparents understand that one for sure, right? Why? 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 Why this? Why? Why this? And after a while, you just you get to the point where you're going, well, because, you know, and you just get like, oh, just because. What I want to do this next three weeks is ask that question a lot. Why? 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 And maybe because I've got an inquisitive mind like a, a four-year-old, but we want to ask why and ask the, probably the most important question that all of us should be thinking about and wondering about and hopefully have an answer to that. Why was the death of Jesus Christ so important? Why? I mean, one of the things that we know as Christians symbolic to us is the symbol of the cross. We have this cross here. Why? Why do we have a cross as our main symbol to explain what we're about? Why? And I'm going to be asking the question why a lot here this Sunday, and the next week we'll ask why a lot, and also the following Sunday. In fact, the disciples also kind of were inquisitive and wondered the same thing. Listen to this out of John chapter 12, verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first. So all that's going on Palm Sunday, 
All that happened Good Friday. All that happened Easter. I'm sure they're going, why? Why? But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about Him and had been done to Him. So we may not understand a lot of things too, but what we want to do this Sunday, next Sunday, and the following is answer the question why often throughout this. So get ready kids. Get ready to shake your branches. Why the Easter season? Why Palm Sunday? Alright, shake them up there. Yeah. Why Palm Sunday? Alright, some of you older people have them and didn't shake them. Alright. Why Palm Sunday? Why Good Friday? Why Easter? Why all of this? Why is this so important to us as Christians? Well, here's a little summary I have. Jesus would come and die. That's going to be this Sunday. And rise again next week in order to bring life to all who believe. So for the next three weeks, we're going to look at this week, Jesus Christ has come and died. Then next Sunday, we'll be looking at Jesus Christ has risen. It will be wonderful. And then the following Sunday, we're going to look at Jesus Christ will come again. So this morning, we're going to look at the lowly King who comes in a humble way, but also the mighty King who dies for a lowly people like you and I. So before we begin, let's take a moment and just prepare our hearts to hear God's Word in a moment of prayer. Father, we thank You for this day. And I thank You that every single day we can celebrate the beauty of Jesus Christ. But a lot that's happening through Palm Sunday, a lot that's happening throughout the week and Good Friday and Easter, sometimes we kind of wonder, well, why did that happen like that? And I pray, Lord, by Your Spirit, You would help guide us this morning as we study Your Word, And we see the beauty of this great, mighty, greatest King of all who came to die for a loser like me. Lord, we thank You for the beauty of Your grace and love in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to get into this here now. We're going to look at two passages, look at the significance, get ready kids, of Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Did you, you must have gave your branches to someone else. Okay, all right. <clears throat> the lowly king enters in a humble way. So get your Bibles, Matthew 21. The lowly king enters in a humble way. If you don't have a Bible, we got Bibles in there in front of you in the pews or the, the chairs in front of you, or some of you are fancy, got your phones, you're already there. Matthew 21. The lowly king enters in a humble way. And again, be thinking, why? Why? Alright, here we go. Matthew 21, starting with verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples. Matthew 21, now verse 2. Saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and He will send them right away. Matthew 21, now verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, Say to to daughter Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the fall of a donkey. The disciples went as Jesus as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of Him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven so the question is why was it done in such a way like this why was it done like this well here's the answer prophecy a fulfillment of prophecy take a look at verses four and five 
Take a look at verses 4 and 5. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, say to daughter Zion, see your, come, come, see your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey, the colt and the foal of a donkey. So this was prophecy. It's fulfilling prophecy. Why? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Here is the fulfillment of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9 talks about this. Zechariah 9 says this, See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, riding on a donkey. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. The king was to come and bring salvation, and Jesus does this to fulfill prophecy. And many saw this connection. Jesus begins the process here now of revealing His messianic secret as He publicly fulfills this prophecy as the Messiah. But why, why messianic secret? In fact, it's interesting when you read, read through the Gospels, once in a while you come upon something where you go, Jesus will say, hey, I just did this great thing, but don't tell anyone. You'd be like, well, why is... Man, Jesus would go, look! I'm proving that I'm the Son of God. I'm the Messiah. Look at this great miracle. But then He goes, listen, don't tell anyone. Often in the Gospels, He does this. In fact, listen to Matthew chapter 16, verse 20. He does this great miracle. Then He strictly commanded the disciples to tell no one that He was the Christ. Well, why would He do that? Well, here's the problem. Most of the people who understood the Bible, they went to the synagogues, they would listen, they would hear about this Messiah coming, the hope that was there, they understood that. They heard the prophets, they heard all that was talked about with prophecy, but many of them somehow began to have the wrong expectation of the Messiah. They were now waiting because of the oppression that they had, they were waiting for someone to come in a political way and bring a revolution to free them. They failed to grasp the full understanding that yes, salvation would come through this Messiah. Salvation was truly there, but they were seeing it through the lenses of political reasons. But also they failed to see that He would come as a, here's a tough one, a suffering servant. He would come as a servant. Jesus kept His identity hidden to many people so they wouldn't keep continuing thinking their wrong expectations. He waited for the right time to go, look, I'm the Messiah. So he waited and waited. Now, going to Jerusalem, look at verse 1. Going to Jerusalem, this was the time to make the big reveal. This was the bold statement. No wonder, look at verses 8 and 9. After he went to Jerusalem, went on the donkey, people realized, this is that moment, look at verses 8 and 9, a very large crowd spread their clothes around the, on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him followed and shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So get ready, kids, with your branches. Palm Sunday, Jacob, was the appointed time to let the world know that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That's why Palm Sunday is so important. It's the big reveal. Why? Because prophecy is being fulfilled, and now Jesus is letting everyone know, look, I'm the Messiah. But another question, we're going to ask why a lot. Why was it done on an animal like this? Why was it done on an animal like this? Well, it's a reminder. Again, look at this here. It says, go to the village ahead of you, Jesus says. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. I love this little part. If anyone asks, says, hey, what are you doing? Their response is, the Lord needs them. And notice how, and He will send them right away. That person already knew that this was for the Lord. Here comes the greatest king in history. He's making his big reveal. He's doing the big thing. Here comes the great big reveal. And his big reveal, get ready kids, 
is on Palm Sunday. It's the big reveal of the Messiah. And most leaders, how will they come? They would prepare all their people, get their political signs in the front yard, right? Just litter everything, get it like that. And they would come and make this big reveal. Today, they'd probably come on a tank, shaking everything around them. Look, here I come. That's how it would be done. They would come, or even in this day, they would come on a war horse, coming with a mighty army, saying, look, declaring, this is who I am. And for the past few years, again, the people, the crowds, were following Jesus. Is this the Messiah? Is this the promised King? Who would establish God's kingdom and, in their minds, destroy the enemy, the Roman Empire. So they're thinking, when the King comes, our enemies will be destroyed. Yet Jesus, how does He come? He doesn't come on a war horse. He comes on a donkey. Why a donkey? Again, this is very purposeful for Jesus Christ. He chooses a donkey. Yes, a donkey because it's prophecy. Yes, again, Zechariah talked about your king will come. Salvation will come. He'll come on a donkey. But I tell you what, in my mind, you don't defeat an enemy riding on a donkey, right? You don't do that. If you're in a race with a bunch of cars, you don't pull out your red tricycle and say, I'm going to win and beat everyone. No, you don't do it that way. You don't come on a donkey to destroy your enemies. But Jesus came in such a way showing humility riding on a donkey. Not a war horse. In the Bible we see that humility is often the path to victory. Remember that. Humility is the path to victory. Not all your unction, your strength, and all the pride you can do to win. It's through humility you can defeat your enemies. And the people were looking for deliverance and victory. But not the way that Jesus came. Jesus came in a way that surprised them. I wrote this down. Jesus did not come to destroy the ones who hated Him. Because that's what they wanted. They were all political thinking, I'm going to destroy the enemy, and the mighty king will do that. Jesus did not come to destroy the ones who hated him. He came to die for his enemies and offer salvation and forgiveness. And that's important for you and I, amen? Because we'll see here in a moment, we are enemies of the cross in our sin. They had some things right. Get ready, kids. They had something right on Palm Sunday. They had some things right. They were right to wave palm branches and say, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, save us! But they were just wrong in some other areas too. They were wrong in how they expected Jesus to come. He is gentle and lowly. Why? Because he's going to save them, not with a war horse, but out of humility. And the beauty of this great king did this. He is tender towards sinners. Praise God, he is, right? He's tender towards sinners, and he comes on a donkey. All right, so here's the last part of this section. Get ready, kids. Why is Palm Sunday so important? Well, it's for the atoning of our sins. And our great salvation which is needed. Jesus enters into Jerusalem to make the big scene to say, I'm the Messiah. Here it is. I've been hiding this. The Messianic secret has been hidden. But now, I'm making the big reveal. It's a reminder that He is totally King. Totally praiseworthy. No wonder they took their, their jackets off, laid off. They didn't have red carpet, but they put their jackets on. They cut branches down. Laid them down. That's why we have palms that, on Palm Sunday. No wonder... He's totally king, totally praiseworthy. And he's also totally humble. And that is also praiseworthy. He's totally humble. This gets us to the next section. The lowly king enters in a humble way. And that's what Palm Sunday reminds us. But also, not just the lowly king enters in a humble way, a mighty king is going to die for a lowly people. Losers 
like you and I, right? He dies for a lowly people. Listen to Mark chapter 10, 33 and 34. I have it on the screen for you. We are going to Jerusalem. So Jesus, he's preparing the disciples. The disciples are like, okay, you're the Messiah. I kind of got this figured out, but they don't really got it figured out. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. Right there, I'm sure the disciples are like, wait a minute, what? That's not how you're supposed to save us will condemn him to death and be handed over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Notice I've got dot, 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 because Sunday's coming next Sunday, right? But they'll kill him. Get ready, kids. Palm Sunday reminds us that Jesus, he is the lowly king who dies in a very humble way. In fact, one of the main verses we're going to be looking at, or the main chapters we'll be looking at this Sunday, next Sunday, and the following Sunday is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So get your Bibles, get that ready. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is probably the most famous passage talking about the resurrection after the resurrection. Again, the Gospels, they all talk about the resurrection. Acts talks a little bit about the resurrection. When there's preaching, they talk about this, but Acts... So, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 15 is probably the most significant one talking about the understanding of the resurrection. And out of this, 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to look at He has died, He has risen, and He's coming again. So let's look at verse 3. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. I'm just going to read verse 3 and the first part of verse 4 because the next part of verse 4 is for next Sunday. For I receive, for what I received, I pass on to you as, look at me, first importance. Look at me. You want to know the number one thing. Here it is. This is first importance. This is it. And I love how in five words he summarizes the gospel that Christ died for our sins. There it is. That's First importance. The number one thing that you should for sure know in life is this. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried. So here we are talking this Sunday about Jesus Christ being dead. He was buried. But why was it done in such a way like this? Why did He have to die? Why did He have to be buried? Why death for our sins? Well, just as we looked at the first part, prophecy. Prophecy. A fulfillment of prophecy. Why to fulfill prophecy? Now, for us as Maranatha, two years we took time looking at Christ in the Old Testament. Looking at the beauty of Christ in Genesis. Looking at the beauty of Christ in Exodus. It was wonderful. Do you know that about a third of what we looked at in Christ in the Old Testament talked about the Messiah who also would die. The Messiah would suffer. For instance, we took a lot of our time a year ago looking at Psalms and the beauty of the structure of Psalms and Isaiah looking at how He would suffer. Psalm 22, known as the Psalm of the Suffering Messiah. There's real agony, real suffering, and real death and we'll see that more next week real death of the messiah he was totally dead again christ died for our sins take a look at that passage according to the scriptures that could have been like our theme verse of christ in the old testament what he's saying is look at the old testament according to the scriptures look at the old testament and you'll see that christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. But why was it done in this way? Why do we have the cross as our soul? Why? Here's the answer. A remedy for both our sins and for the wrath of God. A remedy 
for both our sins and the wrath of God. Why? We must be saved from our sins. We must be saved from our sins. So here's what I wrote down. A sinful, corrupt human man cannot stand before a holy God. Even if you just have one little sin, you still cannot stand before a holy God. A sinful, corrupt human cannot stand before a holy God. We deserve death. We deserve to be totally cast out because of our sin. Listen to Romans chapter 3. Famous verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. None of us, no matter how righteous you think you are, and if you think you're righteous, right there shows the problem. We must be saved from our sin. But also, a lot of people just stop there. Because this next one's a tough one. We not only must be saved from our sin, but here's the second part. We must be saved from God's judgment upon sin. Here is this wrath of God. It's not just that we've got to be saved from our sin, but we also must be saved from the wrath of God because of this judgment that God has upon those who have sinned. And it must be satisfied. And Jesus does that. Why? Because God is just. We deserve death. But remember this. We never stop saying God is just. And, you know, we all deserve judgment and punishment. God is just, comma, but He's more than just. He's grace and mercy. Not only are we saved by God, we're also saved from God. His wrath. Think of that. We're not only saved by God, but we're also saved from God. The wrath of God that we deserve. It's a remedy for both our sins and the wrath of God. And I throw this third one in there also. We also must be saved from the thinking that we can save ourselves. Again, how are people saved? The most common answer out there, if you would say, ask anyone, how, how does someone get saved? How does someone go to heaven? You go out on the street, go to the store, go to your friends, go to your neighborhood, your work, most people will say, well, by being a good person. Eh, wrong answer. You cannot be saved by being good. If you think you can be good enough, you are totally wrong. Listen to Galatians 2.16. A person is not justified by the works of the law. You're not made right before God. You don't have access to heaven by what you can do, by keeping the law. You can't do it. A person is not justified by the works of the law, but by, here it is, faith in Jesus Christ. And we'll deal more of that next Sunday. We must believe. We must have faith in Christ. If God showed grace only to the worthy, no one would be saved. Because none of you are worthy, including myself. If God only showed grace to the worthy, no one would be saved. Why? Because by definition, grace is for the unworthy, right? Unworthy people like you and I. That's why it's grace. The beauty of it. You are saved by putting your faith in God, in Jesus, in whom God has sent to save us from our sins. And the mighty King dies for a lowly people like you and I. We might think that we're great. We might say, you know, I've got my best clothes on. I come to church. Oh, it's a time to celebrate God. I'm doing the right things. Those things don't save you. Jesus took our place. And that's the beauty of the Gospel. I said before, a sinful, corrupt man cannot stand before a holy God. Now let me say this. A sinful, corrupt man can stand safe before holy God when they are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Jesus took the wrath of God. He took our guilt. And we took His righteousness. We see this in Isaiah 53. Again, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. 
The suffering servant made his life as an offering for sin. Listen, by his stripes we are healed. And the iniquity of us was laid on him. Our sin was laid on him. And he was struck by God for the transgression for us all. The judgment of God comes down on us like a judge with his gavel, but as soon as that comes, Jesus goes, I'll take Cody's place. Praise God. As soon as judgment comes to me, Jesus slips in. And as Isaiah 53, he was struck by God for the transgressions of us all. Jesus makes atonement by becoming the sacrifice, taking the wrath of God upon him. We deserve it, but instead we get grace. It is only in the death of Christ we are saved. It is only in Christ we are accepted by him. It is foolish. It is foolish for you to think that God accepts you as you are. Because if He did, you'd be going to damnation. But He accepts us not as we are. He accepts us in Christ. And the beauty of that, despite how sinful we are, Christ took my place. And this mighty King died for lowly people like you and I. Listen to this out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that anyone can boast. Again, here's saying, you know, you can't work for it. You can't do all your goodies to make God love you. He loves us. And He gave us His Son. Get ready, kids, for your branches. Thus, on Palm Sunday, they celebrated, but Jesus knew that the mighty King would go to save a lowly people. Jesus would come and die and rise again in order to bring to life all who believe. So my encouragement is this. Some of you, you've heard the story of Palm Sunday many times. But please remember this. This Easter season, why do we have it? Why? Because of our sins. And the beauty of Easter is immense. And I find it a little unfortunate, in my opinion, that we celebrate Christmas a little bit more with all the festive stuff around us. And yeah, it's great. Trust me, I love Christmas. Jesus has come. But Easter is far greater, amen? Because this is the story. That me, Cody, who is just full of sin, there's no way I can stand before God. But Jesus came. Fully God, fully man. Lived a life of obedience all the way to the cross died for a lowly person like me and you so that I would have life. And for us, we must believe in faith. So may this Easter season be a time when you see your sin as God sees it. But also, realize your great need for Jesus, the Savior. That's why Easter is so wonderful. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for this season that we have to remind us, yep, I'm not good enough. I never could be. And ever, if ever there's a time where I think, oh, I, I'm worthy to be saved, well, then I'm in trouble. Lord, I thank You that You came in a humble way. You didn't come on a war horse. You came showing humility. You humbled Yourself all the way to the cross. And the mighty King died for a lowly person such as everyone in this room. How could we not worship You and praise You and shout Hosanna? Save us. We thank You for the great salvation You've given to us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's very fitting for us on this side of the cross to have communion today. 
This is a time that we remember, we reflect going, Jesus, You totally died. You gave Your life, Your body broken for us, Your blood. And whenever Scripture talks about blood, like 75% of the time when blood is mentioned dealing with sacrifice, it means death. Blood equals death. He died for me. So today we're going to have communion. And I encourage you, um, we have open communion. If you're not a member here at Maranatha, that, that, that's okay because when it comes to communion, you've got to be a member of the body of Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, join us in communion. And I encourage you, if you have little ones with you that don't know and understand that yet, pray for them that they would. But other kids that do, join us. And we're going to have you guys come up as families. I think we even have a chart You've got that chart. There you go. That's maybe a way that we can flow a little bit better on how you're sitting so we can kind of respect social distancing and stuff and not bump into each other. But if that happens, all right, just take care of each other. We are so glad that Jesus came to die for us. So we have open communion. We also have gluten-free options on both ends of the table there. And if you're unable to come up, if you could just raise your hand right now, Pastor Eric will come and bring some to you. If you're unable to to walk around and and do that, just raise your hand now. We'll make sure we get some to you. All right, let me pray before we begin our time with communion. Lord, there are days in our lives like today that we must be humbled because we need to see the gravity of our sin. It's pretty serious. And in that heart of humility we praise you that you took our place i'm so glad that we don't have to be like other religions that you got to work for it and do things to get saved thank you jesus you paid the price so as we as family units or we as individuals come up and get this and sit down we want to take a moment just to reflect on the beauty that you took our place therefore there is now no condemnation for those are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus' law, the Spirit of life set us free from the law of sin and death. For that which the law was powerless to do, weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son, Jesus Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I encourage you as the music's being played, come up when you're ready to, follow kind of that pattern if you can, and we'll take it together at the end. Lord, You are so good to us. We deserve death, but You give life. You died for me, and now I will live for You. And may our lives be a reflection of that humility. May our lives be a reflection of the mighty King who saved us. For we, a lowly people, are also precious in your sight. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're able to stand, join us as we celebrate Jesus.
Sundays, we also have our benevolence basket in the back, and those are where we collect funds for those people who are in need, and often we get calls or people in our own church body that need things, and we use this fund to do that. So if the Lord lays on your heart to put in that basket, we'll use that for that. Kids, with your branches, just leave them there, because we want to use those for the kids' next service. So you can just leave those branches there. Also, I encourage you to do this. Invite people to come next week. It's going to be an awesome Sunday as we celebrate Jesus. And it's going to be full, but um, just, just let's come. But also I encourage you, if you want to, you can also, because it's full here, if you want to join us on Saturday night. Saturday nights we encourage you to wear a mask. So if you want to come to that night, it's not as full as it is on Sunday. So Saturday night's available for you also. And then we also have our Good Friday service at 6 p.m. this coming Friday. Also, as you leave the Fellowship Hall, we've got some good donuts there. Aaron spent some time getting a lot of big ones, so he was excited about that. Let me read you something, but let me preface this as I begin. I'm an evangelical Protestant pastor. Every part of the scripture is amazing. I love it. But let me read out of the greatest book ever written, out of the greatest testament ever written. I love the old, but out of the greatest testament, New Testament, out of the greatest book, in my opinion, ever written, which is what? Romans, thank you. Out of the greatest chapter ever written in the history of time, out of the greatest paragraph 
This is the greatest paragraph ever written in the history of time. Here we go. Let me read just right before it. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Do it. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Romans chapter 3, 20. Now, 3, 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. And God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. We by faith celebrate the goodness of God. Amen? Celebrate Him all week, and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Thanks for worshiping with us.